You're listening to the Self Love series brought to you by Sports and Social Mind. In each episode, we will be joined by some of Ireland's inspiring female minds. This week, our host Hannah Nash is joined by advocate, journalist and speaker Joanna Reardon. Joanna Reardon, how are you? Oh man, I'm feeling so relieved. <laughs> <laughs> you locked up within two seconds. This is very impressive altogether. How are you going on? I was literally just like pinned to the phone, like just in case. I was like, oh no. This is the- no, I am. I am so impressed, and you have the ring light behind you there, and you're looking absolutely beautiful. I am so thrilled to have you on and to virtually meet you. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on for, to our self love series over on Social Mind. No, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, I'm delighted that the the friends I've paid off are joining in this anyway. So we're not going to be. We, we love that. Yeah. We love it. If they want to keep sending in love hearts and clapping <laughs> and smiley faces, we love to see that as well. But listen, Joanne. like there's so much I want to chat to you about so we'll we'll kick right off and I guess for the people who may not know you tell us who is Joanna Reardon because I would love to know (laughs) oh god um yeah so um obviously my name is Joanne um I'm from Mill Street County Cork um and I was born with a very rare condition known as total Amelia meaning I was born without all my limbs so I'm one of uh, five in my family. I have three older brothers and one older sister. Um, and we used to wrestle each other nonstop. We used to Batista bomb one another, tombstone pile drive. If anyone saw my Instagram recently of me with my WWE wrestlers, that was like peak eight-year-old Joanne in that moment in time. But yeah, Amazing. yeah, I was obsessed. Um, so yeah, I suppose that's really, you know, the crux of my family. I suppose when I was 15, um, in Dikini, um, former Taoiseach was in town um, and I basically decided that I wanted to meet him because I had an obsession with his hair. Um, so my dad took me to do? and was like, oh, what question are you going to ask him, Joanne? I was like, oh, I'll ask him about his hair. And then my dad was like, I haven't taken time off work for you to embarrass me, like ask him <laughs> a question. And I was like, okay, fine. Um, so I basically asked him what would he do to protect people with disabilities um, if he ever got basically elected Taoiseach. And he said he would do everything in his power, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward to December, they made a cut. Um, I had said to an examiner, an Irish examiner journalist who I would have been friendly with at that time that I would love to have been a journalist back then. And he got in contact and he said, if you want to write something to indicate for the examiner, you know, we'd love to host or whatever. So I said, fine. Um, so I wrote a letter basically to indicate any detailing how the call was going to affect not just me, but I suppose everyone else like me in similar positions. Um, so I basically wrote that letter. That was fine. Uh, the day after it was front page of the Irish Examiner, I had no idea what to do. It's kind of annoying to peek at your first, you know, your first job will be your front page. You'll never make that experience again. Um, so yeah. I got printed, I got asked to go on to the Late Late Show, and then fast forward a couple of uh, months later, I was asked to go over to the UN to speak um, about people with disabilities um, and technology and stuff like that. And then, yeah, I suppose then after that, I went through life. I basically realized I wanted to be a sports journalist. Sports is a huge passion of mine and something I'm absolutely obsessed with. Um, so that's why I'm very happy to be here. Um, so yeah, I basically pursued that. And I am writing with the Irish Times and was fortunate to be part of the Paralympic um, coverage team with RT this year. So that's basically a long story short <laughs> amazing I think just a round of applause for me the, the coverage of the Paralympics was absolutely incredible this year and you did an amazing job so that was just incredible and that's when I got to see you probably for one of the first times in your absolute element loving every bit of it and it was just incredible but listen you've had quite the journey so far Joanne like you've had quite the journey and you know I think it's it's just there's just so much that um 
that you just have to offer and say. And I think, you know, sometimes you refer to your, your past life as the time when you became like an advocate for disabilities. And, you know, you had this documentary come out called No Limbs, No Limits. And I just wonder, where did that come from? Whose idea was that? And, and how did that all come about? Um, yeah, so I suppose the documentary for starters came about my brother Stephen. Um, he is a documentary maker or was in his past life. He actually works in government now, funnily enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know what a, what a plot twist. Um, yeah, so yeah. He basically was mad to do a documentary on me, but we just never really kind of had a storyline. You know, there's no nothing interesting about it. You know, I, I'm not being mean about it, but there's nothing interesting with a girl, no limbs, going through normal life like everyone else. So we needed, I suppose, a bit of a storyline. And then fortunately, the United Nations had just come about at the right time. Um, so then, you know, my brother basically was like, OK, this could be the, a really, really good storyline, you know, behind the scenes of how she got to the UN um, and stuff like that. So he basically decided that. And I suppose really growing up with him and my other siblings and my parents who were always advocating on behalf of me um, and wanted me, you know, to obviously be the best I can possibly be and try and remove any hurdles before they even became an issue. Um, you know, I've been kind of watching that all my life, not really kind of aware um, and then fully enough, I actually spent nine months over in England, over in um, York, um, for the first time I was on an Erasmus program at my, uh, with my college in UCC. So I went over to York and I suppose then I basically realized how much like advocacy there is and how much needs to be planned, you know, in advance. And it was up to me, you know, at that moment in time, obviously my parents helped out, but I was 20, you know, so like you're mad to do this, you know, by yourself, you know, you want to be independent, you want to just like be like a normal person. And I suppose I basically realized how much is necessary for me to be a normal person you know which is obviously quite annoying you know because I'm a quite spontaneous person I like just doing things when I'm in the mood um so yeah that was a little bit annoying so I suppose really irrespective I used to kind of hate it in a way that I'd have to be an advocate while trying to live my life it was something I didn't really like like you know between 16 to I was going to say 21 22 I wanted to be just like the rest of my friends you know going to nightclubs not have to worry about different things you know go to the chipper after go hang out you know <laughs> like everyone else um and it was kind of different so in a way I kind of resented it but I suppose now it's really weird because all the stuff that I would have learned you know throughout the advocacy throughout watching my parents and you know being a, a, a person an outspoken person I suppose for want of better terms um it's made me realize actually that the skills are quite transferable between all the stuff that I wanted to do you know and that's something you know that I, I'm fairly happy you know to to, to say is worked to my advantage yeah no absolutely and now you know like you said so that was kind of your past life whereas now you're an incredible advocate for women in sport and you write a lot about that and that's kind of what you're doing at the moment with Irish Times and her sport and like you know how, how did that come about so so you have this mad passion for sport you do criminology in college you know how did this all come about I've literally noticed my ring light is literally about to fall like oh no <laughs> oh no <laughs> we can't we can't have that we can't have that <laughs> Back. Uh, yeah, that's there we go. All good. <laughs> oh, you look great from our side. You're perfect there. Yeah. Yeah, you might have to hold that. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose I was really fortunate. Um, I met Maliki Logan, who is the sports editor with the Irish Times. Um, and fortunately, you know, he was putting together a women in sports page. And I got a little bit paranoid when I was over in York because all my friends were like, oh yeah, we're going to do this after we graduate, we're going to do that. Now, fair enough, I had an extra year in, in UCC to kind of graduate as well. But I was like, damn, maybe I should get my life in check. You know, all these girls seem to know what they're doing. Like, this is quite stressful. Um, and I remember I kind of sent like a panic email to Malky. I was like, hey, like just wondering if there's like something going, you know, like, is it possible you'll think of me or, you know, different things. <laughs> 
when he got back to me, he was like, I'm actually on my holidays. He was like, so I don't <laughs> care about your existence right now, but I just want to reply to your email saying, I've got your email and we'll be thinking about you over my holidays. And I was like, oh, that's kind of, that's nice. Um, and then literally a week later, he was like, oh, we're setting up a women in sports page if you're interested. Um, it'll be you and Sonia O'Sullivan and, you know, potentially feature stories from other journalists who will be going in. I was like, cool, sign me up, I'm there. Um, and I remember he was like, will you send me like just a piece, like just something really random, just so I can tell like your writing style. And I was like, okay. And you know, like you put like heart and soul into it. And I looked at it recently and I was like, this is the most embarrassing thing like, <laughs> I've ever seen, like in my absolute life. Um, and yeah, I don't know how he hired me off the back of that, but I was buzzed. He said, you're in. Um, and I remember my first article was about Farmiga, a Brazilian women's footballer. I think she's 46 now. She was 42 playing a Champions League final and it went to extra time. And I thought, this is such a remarkable, you know, woman. Like, how come people haven't publicized and talked about her more? So I wrote my article about Farmiga. Um, and yeah, I literally still hold that article very near and dear to my heart. But it's, it's really cool for me to see how far women in sport has come and how it's transformed. And I suppose how initially my writing would have been kind of um, pieces like... I, I suppose I call them hype pieces, you know, being like, this is why you should definitely watch this event because it's really, really good, I promise you. Whereas now I've noticed my role is kind of evolving into, you know, they're asking me for tactical analysis, which I'm like, are you sure you want me to do this? Um, they're asking me for kind of a heap of other stuff that I wouldn't necessarily have expected. And that's all within four years. I think it's a testament to how far women in sport has actually come. Yeah, it's just amazing. You know, I, I just think like, I think we mentioned on the call previously that at the time they they just had one sports writer covering everything. And then, you know, it's now being developed, whereas they're trying to get people in who are specific into different sports, which just goes to show you how far women in sport and the coverage of it has come over the last little while. And, you know, I think I'd love to hear about how how like watching that journey from the inside. So from the outside, I, I see lots more coverage. I'm seeing lots more pages pop up, discussions happening. And it's really inspiring because when I was playing, when I was, you know, seven or eight or nine, like there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing. And still now there's not enough, but it's, it's more. And I just cannot wait to see where it goes over the next few years. But, you know, for that transition for you, like how did that, you know, starting to write, you know, different pieces, like you said, about pipe pieces, about trying to hype them up and get people to watch them, to now becoming this kind of, you know, tactical analysis of any pre-COVID, like interviewing athletes just after the moment they come off the pitch and stuff. Like, how has that been a transition for you going from, you know, a criminology student in UCC to a full-on sports journalist in front of people at their most, like, epic and devastating moments in their lives? Yeah, it's it's definitely weird. And I think given the fact that I used to be in front of the camera before when I was younger, I actually, you know, my editor mocks me. He, he says, I don't like my killer instinct. And he says, for some technology <laughs> degree in her bag, that's a weird thing to say. He was like, I was... <laughs> out of all the people on the planet, you would know like how to go in. I was like, I just, sometimes I just can't, you know, and I think that's just a learning curve, you know, for me more than anything else. But you're definitely right. It, it has transitioned so much. And I think that, that goes back to, you know, I had started, I think the 2020 by, 20 by 20 campaign was just starting, you know, the can't see, can't be, um, pushing, you know, for 20% participation, 20% coverage, um, and 20% uh, I think it was like bums and seats uh, was the other one that was 20%, uh, which was quite good to see. And Irish Times were fortunate enough to be one of the partners. Um, we still have a lot of work to do. Um, and they know, I know, they know that more than anything, because I'm the one harassing them more than anything. I'm like, yes. why isn't the Monday page? Yes, Joanne, yes. Why is it just the Thursday page? And then they'd be laughing because they'd be like, you just want more money, Joanne. You just want to write more pieces. Like, yeah, that's how it works, guys. Um, 
but no, you know, I think it, it is just super, super important to not have like just a dedicated, you know, kind of one day. Um, you know, it, it's just, it, it just makes it more normal. I think if you open the page, you see pictures of Shane Lowry, you see pictures of Leona Maguire, you see pictures of um, Dean Rock, and you see pictures of Neve McAvoy, you know, kind of side by side. And no one really kind of backed an eyelid. And it's the same piece. And I think for it to transition into, I'm going to call them the fluff pieces that I would have had to have written to actually being able to call out organizations who aren't doing well, to be able to actually interview athletes. It is really good. And I think more importantly behind this, there's really good stories, you know, that people don't understand. You know, going back all the way to Farmiga, who I first wrote about in 2017, she's 46, still playing at a high level, still playing for Brazil. Um, she actually started playing football before I was born, funnily enough. Um, and she's still like one of the best footballers out there and inspiring loads of other people. Um, and it just really is really nice to see, you know, and I think hopefully we'll get to a stage where, you know, you can... I think Mary Hannigan wrote it really well in the Irish Times recently where she said, you know, the FAI have done really well to get the women on par. Now we're hoping to get results and to be able to judge them more off the women's game. And as I joked, I think Mary afterwards, it's nice to see, um, you know, the men getting the same pay as the women because the women were going much better for quite some time. It was a contentious issue, you know, but um, no, it's good to see that some organizations are making that jump, um, you know, and hopefully more will continue to do so. And it's great to see. I think someone told me recently that 20 years ago, ladies football had, I think was it something like maybe, 50, no, maybe 20,000 um, young girls playing with them. And I think that figure now after 20 years is something nearly to the bones of 70, 80,000. That just shows how popular it is. And if you actually invest in the sport, you can reap the rewards. And we're seeing it now with the likes of me contesting all our- Me? Yeah. Like, you know, all these amazing teams. And it's just so great to see. Well, it's amazing. And, you know, like even in my club here, like in, down in Dublin, like we have four ladies football teams. And when I was, I was the first adult football team after they took a bit of a hiatus. And just to come back after going to college and being like, now there's four of us and there's going to be, going to be more. And like, you know, like you said, we now know players on teams. We see people like Meath come out of what seems like nowhere to, to me anyway, to absolutely smash it. And it's just, you know, it's great that, 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 we, are, that we are not only getting the recognition but we're, we're now sh telling people why we deserve it not even that we need to prove anything but for some reason women are just absolutely smashing the sports scene which is so incredible to see and I think you know what have, what would have been a transition for you over the last little while particularly is you know the pandemic and sport in the pandemic has been you know almost impossible at times uh, and like you know and there was obviously the, the Paralympics and the Olympics were post postponed there was no live sport we couldn't go watch it stadiums were empty you couldn't in interview athletes you know how difficult was that as a sports journalist or even just a fan of sports to go through that and, and, and miss it for, for so so long as well as everything else going on it was definitely weird there was like pros and cons so like the first kind of maybe two one and a half lockdowns you could say like you had like unsolicited access to kind of whoever you wanted and that was like the dream for yeah. you know you could just be like hey I'm <laughs> all doing nothing like let's let's arrange a time let's do an interview and obviously there was like a novelty you know on that as well and I interviewed some incredible people you know I interviewed um Kelly Nassimenta De Luca who will be Pele's granddaughter or Pele's daughter but she's making massive waves in the in the filmmaking industry you know making documentaries about women's sports and stuff like that you know um I got to interview Hannah Gordon I got to interview um Natalie Achanwa and these are all like you know over in the states you know people who've done incredible things um so it opened up great pathways that way and I think we were able to tell stories a little bit better instead of the usual domination of oh Dublin ladies are doing this, Cork ladies are doing that, or yeah. Ogie's doing this, Kilkenny's doing that, uh, which was really, really good to see. 
Um, and then I think once it came back, it was cool because I think the NWSL in America was the first league in America to come back. And their viewership skyrocketed because people were just so desperado to watch sports. They were like, yeah. we watch absolutely anything under the sun. Um, yeah. and testament, you know, to the NWSL. I know they're having a bit of trouble recently, but to manage to get that off the, off the board for people to... I suppose to get it all together when there was so much uncertainty in the world with COVID and then for the viewership and for them to reap the rewards in terms of commercialization and stuff like that, that was really cool to see. And then, you know, unfortunately then on the flip side, you had situations where some athletes weren't getting access to certain things because they weren't professional. You know, the Six Nations got cancelled as an example because there's a disparity in terms of England are the pro team, France are semi-pro and then the rest are amateur. So you couldn't have them playing because what's to stop, you know, as an example, someone going into a school who plays for Irish women's rugby, um, getting COVID and then spreading it amongst the camp because she can't quit her job because she needs that job for her income, you know. Um, so it did highlight a couple of disparities that way. And I think it made people a little bit more aware. Um, so hopefully that will come. But even I've noticed, like I support Barcelona as an example. Um, and I've noticed that the revenue has obviously dropped an insane amount because of debt and whatever. But they're pumping kind of the money into the women's club. And all of a sudden they're winning Champions Leagues. They have the best players in the world, you know, playing with them. And I think it really is a testament that if you just put resources into it, it doesn't have to be financial. It could be volunteer. It could be media coverage. It could be anything. You know, you will reap the rewards. And, you know, COVID may have shone a spotlight on some dirty areas that are in women in sport but I think more importantly it just showcased that if you were to pump in the resources it would be on a par with men's as well and I think, you know, that that's just so, so true. And I think, you know, of all the incredible sporting feeds, and we've actually had a great summer, like my mum has been thrilled. There's been so much sport on TV um, and particularly women's sport. And, and one of the questions that came in is, what is Joanne's favourite highlight moment of it? And I'm not sure you'll be able to pick Joanne, but what is your women's sport highlight of the, the last few months anyway? I won't say the whole year, it's probably too much. Um, the last few months, I'd say the biggest one for me was me. You know, I had just come off off the Paralympics and I was so, it was weird. I was actually just so caught up in Paralympic hype. You know, you just forget about other sports existing. And I went into my hotel to pack up um, and to get ready. And I was like, oh, I'll just throw this on and see what happens. And I was like, is this, is this really happening? Um, and I suppose, you know, I'd gotten to know Vicky Wall over the last couple of months. So, um, you know, it was really, really cool, you know, for the likes of her to be reaping the rewards, you know, for her to, to be hailed as, you know, a hero next to the likes of Trevor Giles, who I'm sure she would have looked up to, as a court person, I didn't look up to because he's usually probably beating us at some stage. Um, <laughs> I think, actually, it was nice because the fans were able to come back and rejoice in it more. And that was kind of the first time, I, I, I suppose, watching a sports game. I wasn't there, I have to admit, but that was the first time watching a game where I felt such a pr pronounced sense of community and, like, relief um, and delight, you know, for uh, for the underdog. And I know Dublin, if Dublin are watching this, they won't like that answer. But for me, it was, it was one of the highlights because it actually showed neither been scraping for so long to try and be one taken seriously within their own county now they're taken seriously they won the intermediate they were getting more um, resources pumped into them and as a result they were able to go out and cause an upset against Cork first of all um, and then to cause an upset then against Dublin um, so for me that was one of my highlights and as well on top of that um, the Paralympics you know for, for me obviously Ellen Keane winning gold and Nicole Ellen Keane is amazing like it was such a joy to be a part of that um, and to be a part of the group to bring that home to audiences who were sitting watching, who were just delighted to be inspired and to be amazed and wowed by what people can possibly do. It was just so nice to see, really. Uh, it's It's been incredible. I think, you know, something that has that has been highlighted particularly when we speak about women's sport is that you know we're, we're taking we're taking the focus off which is kind of hard for for the society we live in 
on what women look like and, and to show them what they do and who they are as people, which is so incredibly powerful. And because of social media, like sometimes it gets a bit of a wrath of not being good. But I think particularly when we've been so distant over the last year and a half, it's been it's been the media and social media that's shown us these absolute stars in our eyes who we may have not known about before because how, how could we have when there's no coverage or we're not meant to know? And, you know, I think there's, there's, there's this, um, like, recently you wrote an article um, and you highlighted the importance of you know putting an emphasis on women's sport um, not just because you have a sister or a daughter and I think the all these things are you know I thought it was an absolutely incredible article I sent it to everyone I would love you to to dive into you know because now you are you are an advocate for 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 women's sport um, in the country and around the world and what was the kind of motivation behind that article? The boy. <laughs> the motivation behind that article was I was seeing a lot of stuff go on within rugby and I was seeing yeah. a lot of prominent people within that sport say that they were obsessed with women's sport because they solely have a daughter. Um, I sat next to one of them on the Late Late Show and thank God the camera didn't cut to me because I think I literally went, um, <laughs> I think, you know, just thank God it didn't. Um, and look, while you can't fault people for the instigation and the inspiration in terms of what gets them into it, that's great and that's lovely. But I think for a lot of things, I suppose what annoyed me was the fact that there are so many girls within the community. And I think you know as well as I know, if you ask a girl to start listing the problems that exist in their lives, I mean, we won't stop to say the least. <laughs> you know, and really the, the premise, I suppose, of, of that being, you know, kind of girl dads and stuff like that was, it starts off firstly as a joke about a statistic that I had read, which basically said, no matter what gender of your is of your second child, it, they will be the better sports person than your older child, irrespective of gender. And the basis for that being, like the pancake theory, you're always gonna mess up the first one. By the second and third, you're gonna- <laughs> I'm the first one. I'm the first one. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm the last. Totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> I was sick of flipping pancakes by the time I was there. <laughs> but yeah. yeah premise is that you know like whatever the first one is doing you're going to lump in the second one because it's one is cheaper and two it's just easier to be dragging them around to whatever it is that they're doing so I was interested in that and then I suppose as I said I was just kind of interested in why all these people all of a sudden have started to acknowledge women exist just because they have daughters and I thought that was a little bit weird um, and really I suppose that was the inspiration behind the article a joke about the statistic and then a follow-up which is the seriousness of it which is well why does it take having a daughter you know, to see what women go through. And I think I also feel that too, from my end, why does it take being with someone who has a disability, being with someone who's of another minority to see what it is that they go through? Why can't you just ask them straight up what it is that they go through? Or why can't you just find people? You know, there's 650,000 people born with a disability. Are you meaning to tell me you didn't know a ramp would be worthwhile, you know, for 650,000 people? Like, are you sure? Um, so yeah, that was really it. I think really the, the, it came from annoyance more than anything. You know, I was very fortunate. Louise Lawless, um, another writer with the Irish Times, she's freelance. I think she's a solicitor as well. Um, I was, you know, had her for backing just to see, wait, am I just going a little bit crazy? Or have you felt this too? And she was like, no, I've definitely noticed. But on the flip side then, you have amazing scenes like you had at the Irish women's um, national team game um, up in Tala when they played Australia. You had uh, fathers, mothers bringing not only their daughters, but also their sons 
who are being super delighted to sign the autographs, you know, who get autographs from the likes of Louise Quinn, Katie McCabe, and all these other like crazy talented people. And then the accidental after effect is if they're supporting Arsenal or whoever may be Arsenal wins, they might flick over to see what Arsenal women's team are doing, you know. Um, and I think that's something that we should all really take with us. You know, I think it, it, you don't have to have a spectacular re revelation to realize women exist. You can literally just flick open Twitter or ask someone nearby um, and say, here, what, what, what's the crack? Is it really that bad? Um, and I think it is important to have that allyship. You know, I was talking about this recently with a senior, a men's Gaelic footballer, and he was saying, you know, it, it's definitely so important to have that allyship and to have the support of your men to be kind of asking, well, why aren't the women's team training on this pitch? Or, you know, why aren't we giving them access to jerseys or, you know, really small stuff like that? Um, and he didn't realize how bad it was until he asked one of his uh, local girls, he was like, hey, is it true you don't get to train on the pitch? She was like, yeah, because <laughs> of you. <laughs> Um, you know, um, but you know, it's just really nice to see people, you know, taking that on board and actually wanting to be part of the solution rather than the problem. Yeah, I mean, when I saw that article, like I, that was shared around to me, I shared it to everyone because it was just, it was so, so true. And, and before I read that article, I was almost happy when people were like, oh yeah, this is great, women's sport because I have a daughter. Because that was almost, the, that was how low we were at, Joanne, where yeah. I was like, oh great, they're, they're an ally. They're on our side. They're trying to promote sport. But then when I read that, I was like, but why does it take that? Like, why does it take having a daughter or in other cases, a sister or a wife or a girlfriend or, you know, to know someone with a disability, et cetera, et cetera, to, to understand that this is important uh, and this needs to be spoken about and advocated for, for everyone and everyone needs to get involved. And I just think, you know, it was just an absolutely brilliant, like, article. And I just think, you know, I seriously commend you for that because it probably wasn't easy. And I'm sure there was a, as much love and hate with that, like you were saying before, but it was absolutely a, incredible. I upset a lot. Mm -hmm. My own dad was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you hanging me up? <laughs> I was like, I didn't even hang out to dry. You came off really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing, you know. But it's just brilliant, and I think you know, even that kind of familial support is so important. And I think you know, when we bring it back a little bit to like the self love series and kind of what we we chat about here is is all these different things that that are there. Just it's almost our support system, whether that's the boundaries we set, and you know, particularly over the last little while, it has been, you know, like we spoke about previously women in the media or being a woman over the last few weeks and days uh, particularly has been very very difficult um and I'm sure you've picked up on that I know all my friends have and I would just love to hear you know when it comes to your experience of social media or the media or just being a person in life how has you know the last few weeks or last few months been when it comes to just just experiencing things and, and how has the pandemic affected that over the last little while as we hopefully touch wood come out of that quite soon yeah um it's been definitely an incredibly hard few weeks you know it's weird all the stuff that's going on as someone with a criminology degree i've been mentally trained to kind of veer through you know the drama and to kind of get to the other side just because that's what we're so used to doing is to understanding why these things are happening and i think really it just all goes back to how we portray women, how we view women, um, you know, which goes back to the girl's dad article. Why does it take so long to view women as people? Um, and I think really all the stuff that you're seeing over the last few weeks has definitely been incredibly stressful. You know, I know for me, it's it's been definitely really tough and it's been something, you know, I've got friends who live alone in apartments, you know, and you'd be texting them extra being like, oh, I hope you're safe. You know, and you're like, why do I have to go mom on the occasion? You know, um, it is it is definitely really tricky. But look, I suppose, it was really for me after the Paralympics when the platform got a little bit bigger on my end that I definitely noticed 
it was a lot harder to be a woman in media, especially a woman in, in sports media, to say the least. There was a lot more eyes. There was a lot more. She doesn't know what she's saying. There's a lot more, oh, she's there as a tokenistic gesture. Um, and that stuff I definitely find insulting, you know, and I definitely would have gone back to my editor, uh, Malachi, a couple of times, been like, Bal, I need your help. But he's like, you're there because you're well-informed. You know what you're doing. And you've, you've slaved away very hard to get this role. So don't let anyone tell you otherwise. So it's definitely a lot harder, you know, and, and the stuff that you get is a lot harder in comparison to what you get to your male counterparts you know that's for sure um but luckily for me i'm able to one kind of laugh at it more than anything um the personal stuff's directed towards me it doesn't bother me my brother tried to frame a piece of hate mail that i got as a gift because he thought it was so funny um that i got <laughs> one day he was like this is too funny i want to frame it i was like no um but you know it does definitely get tough and i think like you said you have to go back to that support base you know for me it was my editor um you know for me it's my friends you know and different people and i think it's just such a shame you know that we have to you know we i remember i only said it recently we actually got a guide on how to deal with uh hate in particular and it was women who were in the in the course and like why should i have to take a course on how to deal with people who are talking to me negatively and you know it was really weird because it was like ignore it but also if you ignore it you could also fuel it but if you react to it you're going to fuel it way more and i was like basically what you're saying is there's nothing we can possibly do there's no right or wrong so we may as well just go about living our life is that basically what you're saying and your mom was like yeah i suppose it's really what i'm saying and i was like well i'm out i'm off the zoo i'm gonna log off um Oh, it is really sad, you know, that we've gotten to that place and it's definitely gotten a little bit tougher um, with the pandemic. I don't know, are people just angrier? I'm not really too sure um, that all this stuff is kind of happening. Um, and it is, it is incredibly sad, but just unfortunately, like everything, I think we just have to kind of come together. You know, I was talking about the NWSL earlier and I remember after all the stuff had come out about them and their head coach and what was going on behind the scenes there, you know, I think like everything, you can't be putting out scapegoats every once in a while. You have to start looking at the institutions and unfortunately, sometimes to build stuff up, you might have to burn them down. Um, and I think, you know, it's a bit dramatic to say the least, but I think that's unfortunately the case. So I think hopefully post COVID and hopefully post everything, hopefully COVID has burned it down and hopefully the rest of us can build it up in a way that it's a safe environment for everyone. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's such a shame to hear that these are, these things are still happening and we know they're still happening because they fit our feed and, you know, we all feel that fear that's, that's being portrayed. I mean, when you're in the media, you put yourself out there for people to, to have, to think that they have the right to comment on that is bizarre, but it's, it's like, you know, they, they, that doesn't stop them. And it's just, you know, the, the amount of pressure for, for particularly, like you said, women in the media or women on social media or women in general to, to look a certain way or act a certain way or they're called token this or token that. It's like absolutely bizarre. And I think, you know, something which I would love to hear a little bit about is is how, you know, because there is more sports journalists, women sports journalists now, and, you know, Jackie Hurley, Sonia Sullivan, there has been incredible women on my television this this summer and having amazing conversations and I've been following their their Instagram feeds and just absolutely loving them and I think you know as a as an insider in that how you know because we're so we're so we're so trained or potentially that's what they say that we're trained to be comparison and we're meant to compete with one another etc etc I would love to hear how how is that environment of the women in journalism women women in sport been for you over the last few weeks and months particularly because I, I I just really hope good <laughs> really really hope there's a real there's a real camaraderie like I'm not gonna lie kind of like you said you know 
um, when I started out, there, there was something like drilled into my head that if, if someone got the job before me and it happened to be a woman, well, I have to compete against her. Or, you know, if I was seeing someone post online that they were at a game and I wasn't at that game, well, why wasn't I at that game? Why was that woman chosen? Now, my dad actually said it to me today, which was really funny. We were talking about um, RD and, you know, he was asking me what the next steps were. And I was just saying to him, you know, I'd love to be involved in, in sideline commentary. And then literally my dad said to me, you're telling me there's no other woman better than you that could do it? I was like, what are you talking about? That's so mean. <laughs> but, you know, we were just kind of, you know, bantering back and forth. And I think it's actually, like you said, it's about knocking down that unconscious bias we have in our head. You know, like how come we're so surprised to flick on the TV and Jackie Hurley's smashing it or Sonia's doing incredible analysis or Ivani Quillen is doing incredible stuff. Like, these are people who have been incredible mentors to me as well, you know, since I started both writing and in broadcasting. Um, and people who I am eternally grateful for to, you know, share their, share their information, share their insights and stuff like that. Um, and these are people who I've looked up to, um, you know, all my life. And like you said, you know, you're hoping once you go in, you know, I think we watch the morning show on Apple, right? And you're seeing like there's a feistiness because if she does well, that means she's coming for my job, you know, so on and so forth. I think it's something we have to untrain our minds, you know, and just kind of be a little bit more supportive, you know, and to try be uh, comrades and allies because it's it's hard doing it solo. And I think, you know, being called tokenistic female, you know, on the panel, um, it's hard doing that and facing that, but it's much harder facing it alone. And I think, you know, you know, I even like, you know, I've said it recently that I'd love if there was like a, a setup or some sort of fellowship program or mentorship scheme where, you know, women could come together as journalists and be like, well, actually, this is what's happening. You know, um, I think that should be something that should be set up, you know, kind of soon. I know different colleges are doing it, but I think it should be like a national thing. You know, it should be something within uh, sporting organizations, because that's obviously where I predominantly work, um, should be sporting in sporting organizations a little bit more so. Um, and just, I suppose, just to unite people, to make sure they're not alone. And also so that you can literally talk to someone who's done that road before you and to see, well, actually, what is it like? And is it, is it all that bad? Um, yes. It isn't. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and like, like that's, I'm so glad to hear that because like I said, like my, my television this summer, which over the last few months has been, like I said, filled with those women, yourself included, not even just the athletes, but the people talking about them. And again, so far from the token female, like so far from that, these, these women are incredible and their analysis is spot on. And again, I look up to them and I look up to you and you see all these people and you're like, maybe that could be me someday. And when, when I was younger, there was no one where I could say, maybe that could be me. Do you know? And I just think it's incredible to see. And I think, you know, particularly something um, that just, it's the idea of it being like common is just so exciting. Like that's what we hope for. And I guess that's what it's all about is, is not being, um, you know, not being a surprise. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, when you kind of come back to the self-love series and, you know, we're, we're all about, we're all about that over here on Social Mind where it's like, you know, how can we foster that within ourselves and we foster that within others? And, you know, something that I would love to hear when it comes to potentially the media or even just being in front of the camera, it's like, how, how can you protect yourself? Um, and I guess set boundaries and limits on, like you said, kind of, with the hate but just in general that you know you are still Joanne and you, your family important and your you know your friends are important how can you not get lost in that yeah it can be incredibly tricky you know especially when you're starting out you know um 
this week, you know, in particular, I was like, I remember I was kind of like, damn, you know, should I be doing more on social to try and get the follower? And I'm like, well, actually, who is like, who's interested in me watching soccer on Saturday night? You know, like, like, who's actually interested? You know, like, I don't mean that in a bad way, but you know, you're like, how can I possibly maximize this? Um, but also do it in a way that, as you said, is safe and not invasive and something I have to stress out about, you know, to an inch of my life. Um, and I certainly was like that. I think probably with age, it probably gets a little bit better. You're less, I suppose you're less, you don't care, I suppose, as much as to what people think or how many numbers are on the likes, you know, or how many viewers you have, you know, different kind of stuff like that. Um, but it does take a while. And I think for me, really, it's, it's you know, we're obviously talking about self-love. It's about, it's about kind of having like a self-care routine, I suppose, as I kind of call it, you know. So just doing the things that make you happy every single day, you know, even if they're totally minor, if it's going for a walk, if it's petting the dog, whatever it may be. Um, I see my dog every day and I'm like, I love you. And I think yeah. I recently to, to whoever, I was like, that dog must think I'm mental. Like that every time I'm leaving the house, I'm like, I love you. And it's just like, what? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just so important to just have these things next to you, you know, that makes you happy. And I think... For me, one thing that I particularly focused on, funnily enough, was um, we, I'm very fortunate in my job, I get to talk to a lot of sports psychologists, and we were talking recently uh, about kind of, you know, we all know about toxic negativity, you know, the person around you that's kind of talking negative all the time, such a drain, and you're like, oh my God. Um, but toxic positivity is a huge thing too. And what that basically means is that you're putting so much pressure on yourself to be positive all the time, that actually you're suppressing all your negative feelings. And I think as a result, it's going to explode. So for me, it's about having the bad day when I do have it, just embracing it, just going mental if I have to, having to give out to my whoever's with me because the chicken goose Whoever's near you. Burnt. Yeah. Um, and just doing it and then doing stuff that makes you happy. So for me, once you've got those things in line, have the bad day, do things that make you happy, you're sorted for me. It's so true. And I think it's like sometimes, you know, it's so easy, particularly on social media and this comparison culture. And, you know, we see the highlight reel. And, and I just think, you know, we're aware of that. Like we're aware of it, but sometimes actually believing it and internalizing it and not compare, comparing you in your pajamas at midday, looking <laughs> at someone else on a, on a beach in Barbados. And you're like, well, what happened to my life? What did I get wrong? And, you know, I think it's like, you know, particularly being, you know, you know, someone in their like, like their 20s trying to figure it all out and you mentioned it previously where you know like you said to your dad um when you were finishing criminology and you were like so what do I do with my life and I, I think I, I'm having that moment I think everyone is having that moment where they're kind of like so so now I have to figure this all out and I think you know with that whole pressure and the toxic positivity and the highlight reels it's like you know how how do you how do you bring yourself back to reality when to be honest, if you if you open your phone, you're constantly bombarded by other people's thoughts, opinions, news, everything that's happening in the world. How can you how can you keep yourself safe from that? Because I think it's it's a really hard thing to do um this day and age because so much of our lives are on our phones, you know, whether we like it or not. Yeah, you know, I think for me I interviewed Kristen Press of the US Women's National Team recently and we were talking about that kind of stuff. And she said for her life and equality and social media and stuff like that is just like a game of football and that you should kind of like that and I was like I don't get where this is going but okay and she's like really profound when she talks so like you know yeah. 
You were like, what? <laughs> yeah, but like, I could tell, like, she's a Stanford graduate, you know, like, so I could tell we were going somewhere, you know, with this. And she basically yeah. saying that, you know, in a football game, you know, you have your dedicated spots, you have your goals you have to meet. Um, and if you don't hit them at halftime, you tear up the plan, you know, and you start again. And I remember thinking, actually, that's so true. Because sometimes I think in life, we're so afraid to tear up the plan just in case we're going really, really off course or just in case it's going to upset us further that we tend not to do it. So I think just like that game of football, just having, you know, little daily things, daily tasks and things. Like Cork accent came out there, daily things. <laughs> we love to hear it. We love to hear it. Popped out all of a sudden. Um, you know, just having those little goals, you know, not being confounded to them, you know, every single time. And so when the plan goes wrong, you do have the ability to, you know, call a flag on the play a la NFL or call to halftime, call a timeout change the plan, you know, change direction, because any good football team will happily do that in the middle of the game to try and win it out. Um, and I think that's something that is really, really important. You know, if it is something that you are struggling, obviously you won't talk to someone, but more importantly, don't be afraid to change things up. There's no better time to start. You know, don't wait for New Year's Eve or, you know, the spark of inspiration. You know, you have to start now because there really is no perfect time. Um, obviously, if you're starting in like the middle of August when everyone's on like, you know, their holidays or, you know, uh, annually, Maybe that's not the best time, but you know, there really is no perfect time. Um, and I think really yeah. trying to stay in the moment and staying in the present, you know, take, take a breath, just, just forget about yesterday and forget about tomorrow and be in the moment. And I know I'm no expert at that. You know, I'm definitely working progress all the time. Um, you know, I always say I'm, I'm a rookie for life because um, I think we're just so much all the time. And I think that is so important to just understand you're going to be a rookie until your last day on this planet, unfortunately. You're going to be learning something new every single day and just embracing that. It's not fun. It's not nice. There are things that you won't want to learn. Um, but just having that ability to be open-minded and to understand that two completely opposite things can be true you know, at the same time, I think that is so important as well. And I've only learned that recently. I think they call it living in the paradox and straddling the tension. If Brene Brown ends up seeing this, I got this from you, Brene. I love her. Big yeah. Brene. And, um, and basically, it's just like, it's understanding that two completely opposite things, you know, can be true. I hate my job and I don't want to leave it because it, you know, gives me good security. They're two very opposite things, but they can be totally true. So just being able to navigate that and to understand how can you possibly make it work. I think that's something that is kind of life changing if you just don't fall into narratives all the time. Yeah, and I think, you know, it kind of almost comes full circle when we speak about, you know, um, women in media and women in sport in general and all these things. That it, at the root cause is the idea that you're not good enough or, or that, you know, that this isn't okay and it has to be tomorrow or the next day. Or we have to keep going left and right. And then if we commit to one thing, there's no way we can change our mind because that would be a waste or a fail. And I think it's, it's all this narrative, like you were saying, but that is so not true but because we're bombarded with these images that we consider perfect because that's what we see is only the the one second snap of a thousand um it's almost hard to believe that but i think you know particularly coming out of the last year and a half it's like that is the, the message we need to push on ourselves and, and really try to internalize because it's easy to say it it's easy to hear it but easy to internalize it not so much and i think it's such a great message that it's like you know like you said a rookie for life like that is I'm, I'm stealing that, Joanne. I'm sorry. I'm going to steal that and share that with everyone I know because I just absolutely love that. And I think it really encompasses what we were trying to talk about in the self-love series is that just not being so hard on yourself for just being a human. <laughs> like that is what it's all about. And I think, you know, like what, coming towards the end, unfortunately, we have a few more <laughs> questions, but you've just been so incredible. I never, I never want this to stop. But, you know, when it comes to, to self 
time. It's fine. Oh, so, so I was like, I was like, I cannot believe I get. To, I'm like, I'm considering you a friend now, Joanne. I hope that's okay. <laughs> um, but you know, guys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But listen, when it comes to to social media, we were speaking about it before, and when it comes to following people, and you know, we have to be quite cutthroat at times with who we follow. Yeah. Like, is there any any three, two or three people who you follow that kind of fosters that sense of self-love or self-worth in you because we're always trying to follow more people who who make us feel good and and that's hard to find sometimes that's actually really interesting you know funnily enough um i i tend to like not i suppose when i follow people on instagram kind of like everyone it's like the aesthetic i'm into but in terms of people who've like changed my thinking and changed me i would say probably the food medic is up there number one love her love her a big fan of the work that she does. Um, yeah, yeah. Also, <laughs> I'm also a huge fan of Brene. You know who I mentioned earlier. Her podcast incredible. If you're going to definitely do anything, listen to her podcast. They're just so good. Maybe follow her on Instagram. Um, and then after that, I suppose, you know, actually, um, Sarah Fuller, she's an athlete over in America. She's recently started to open up about her mental health. So she was the first female to be a kicker in college American football which was huge at that time and she's also a goalkeeper and she struggled with body image she struggled with mental health and stuff like that um, and the stuff that she's posting is just incredible in terms of mental health so yeah they're definitely my top three and like my go-to in terms of you know who I'm interested in and um, you know the content that I follow um, all the time and I have to admit I am obsessed with social mind as well and sports mind like I'm obsessed <laughs> with you guys and what you do and I love well, my we are all the time like I'm obsessed oh stop so we are obsessed with you and I think you know it's, it's very aligned in your messaging and you know the work with you do with her sport who we absolutely adore as well it's just incredible stuff when it comes to just having conversations you know having conversations with real people about really important things and I think you know you mentioned previously that telling your dog you love them and you know <laughs> taking a moment for yourself like what else do you do that to help you know foster like foster that sense of self-love in you like how how what are a few things that you know maybe someone who's listening can maybe take on board and, and use over the next few weeks or days or months when they're not feeling so great to maybe feel a little bit better I treat myself a lot if I'm not feeling <laughs> and by treat myself I mean I'm obsessed with the little hazelnut prawling chocolate shells at the moment they're my go-to I'll eat a load of those if I have to Every person who knows me on this call will say Joanne loves to buy um, if, you know, she's in bad form. Joanne, you know, Joanne has just bought a slow cooker. She's in bad form. But we'll just let her <laughs> cooking smell at the moment, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I do tend to do that, which probably isn't healthy in the bank account for obvious reasons. But I <laughs> basic stuff, you know, um, I'm obsessed with meditation. Um, I know it's not for everyone. I'm absolutely fine with that. Um, I do yeah. Um, and as I said, just kind of fostering that routine that I have every single day. Um, I love putting on a face mask and I'm not talking about the COVID ones. I'm talking about the skincare. Yeah. Um, I do love one of those. Um, and yeah, I just feel really good after. But just really pair back to the basics if you're having a bad day. Make the bed, have a shower, have a cup of tea. I've done those. My day is a success. And I think that's all you have to do. Take a little victories and then take it from there. Yeah, no, it's so true because I think sometimes we're so guilty of overcomplicating it and I know I am as well and it's like, you know, some days you can do a thousand things and it can be good, but sometimes one or two things is 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 sufficient and and you win. If you try if you even try, you win. And I think, you know, when it comes to to self-love, we always love asking our our guests in in the simplest forms, like what does self-love mean to you? 
Self-love for me means being able to accept everything that you are, flaws, delights, you know, everything in between, just being able to accept them, to be able to like them, to be able to work on them, to be able to challenge yourself. And I think more importantly, to be able to wake up every single morning, look yourself in the mirror and say, actually, I'm doing a great job. Um, for me, that is self-love. It's a work in progress. It's not something that happens overnight and it's not something that stays with you. You do have to work on it every single day. But I think once you're able to wake up and accept you know, what it is about you that you love and what you dislike um, and focus on positives more than negatives, then I think that's absolutely fine. I think, you know, um, I actually was talking to my dad recently today and I had said to him that I had terrible news. It was like a football thing. And he was like, can we change it? There's no point stressing if we can't change it. I was like, we can't change it. He was like, why are we stressing? Um, and then I told him the news about the football team that I support. He was like, okay, I'm stressed now. Um, but <laughs> as, as he kind of said, you know, if it's something you can't change, don't think about it. Um, and if it's something that you can change, you know, kind of bit by bit, then yeah, work away. But yeah, self-love, just being able to accept yourself, love yourself and being able to work on, on yourself and challenge yourself no matter what. And as, as we said, going back to the concept earlier of being a rookie for life, no honestly that like I am so taking that with me and I think you know it would be wrong of me not to leave this conversation and not ask you what are you looking forward to next over the next few weeks and months what is what is coming up for Joanna Reardon and how can we support you where can we find you tell us what is coming up over the next little while we have a family wedding coming up at the moment which is very stressful at um, least uh, <laughs> uh, like there's nothing like a family wedding to send you over no I'm looking forward to it. Don't get me wrong. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so that's coming up soon. Uh, just literally tipping away, you know, at the Irish Times every Thursday, you can find me every, every day there. Um, this week, I'm fortunate. I'm actually getting to do a course with the European Broadcasting Union on commentary. Um, RT managed to put me forward and I got accepted. So I'm going to be doing that for all of this week. So if I'm a bit quiet, sorry about that. Um, I'm probably like, I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm in total imposter syndrome and faking it till I make it. Um, but that's fine. Um, and hopefully next year, fingers crossed, all going well. I'm hoping to, to be on, on the screen sometime soon and, you know, be, go a bit further in my life and see how I can progress my sports career. Well, listen, John, we will, at Sports and Social Mind, we will be absolutely supporting you all the way, as I'm sure everyone else who gets the opportunity to watch this or listen to it later when we put it up as a podcast because you are just incredible and the things you stand for and what you believe and how like passionate and fiery you are it's lighting me up it's just absolutely amazing to see and you know your passion is so so clear for women's sport and as a woman in sport thank you for that it's really appreciated and I just hope so many people uh, follow suit and let's like oh let's just all get up there and rise together and just you know let's just you know let's make particularly 2022 the end of 2021 a great year for for women because I feel like we deserve that I feel like it's been it's been rough the last little while yeah. and I think there's no better woman than Joanna Reardon to lead that for us and I think you know I just can't wait to support you personally and from social uh, social and sports mind Ireland you know the whole way and I guess you know from behalf of ourselves and you know our sponsors are vibe active um just thank you so much for coming on we are absolutely thrilled to have you and yeah we cannot wait to keep following you over the next few weeks and months and yeah you're such a star such a star i'm sure everyone agrees oh man join my hype team where are you on monday morning when I'm oh stop I'm, I'm everyone's official hype girl joanna and i want to be yours as well so get ready for the, the fire emojis to every story you ever put up but listen yeah. on behalf on behalf of sports and social mind Ireland. Thank you for joining this conversation. Thank you for sharing your stories, your wisdom, and like insane inspiration for just 
being you it's just class it's absolutely class and hopefully soon i get to see you on my telly or meet you in person um and yeah thank you so much thanks a million appreciate it no worries thanks so much guys for tuning in and to get check out uh, joanne's um instagram and her obviously her articles and yeah support her and again we'll be back next wednesday for another conversation thanks so much guys see you later joanne bye bye, -bye. bye.